0: Hello, I'm Elizabeth Grave and I'm here with Paul-Louis Durand-Ruel. It's April 7th, 2021 and we're recording an oral history for the Wildenstein Planner Institute's Pierre-Auguste Renoir Oral History Series. Paul-Louis, do I have your permission to record this interview? Of course. Great, okay. Well, I'd like to start with an introduction. So could you please tell us who you are and your relation to Renoir?
1: Well, uh, my uh, I am a great-grandson of Paul Durand-Ruel, who was the main uh, dealer for uh, Renoir. And he was a personal friend of Renoir. And, uh, you know, uh, Paul Durand-Ruel and his sons were very... Uh, very close Renoir. Uh, uh, Georges Durand-Ruel uh, was uh, godfather of uh, Jean Renoir, uh, and uh, we have uh, the full correspondence between uh, Renoir and uh, Durand-Ruel, and you can see uh, through it that they were really close friends uh, all their
0: life. So your family were the dealers of Renoir as well as the other Impressionist artists working in Renoir's circle. Can you talk to me a little bit about your interest in Renoir specifically? Among all of the Impressionists, what about Renoir was particularly appealing to you as a child?
1: As a child?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I've always uh, been, I had the luck of uh, living with uh, paintings by impressionists around me. And uh, I think that Renoir, uh, you can see it's uh, what we call the joie de vivre it's is uh, happy with life and uh, uh, it's it's always uh, uh, uh um
0: i i have another question that I'd love to ask when you would visit your grandfather's apartment and look at the art collection that he had. Were there any works that particularly impressed you? What, what was it like to be amongst those paintings?
1: First thing, I, I know that I'm old, but uh, my great-grandfather died 99 years ago, and so I never had the opportunity of visiting his apartment. And in, uh, my grandfather Died before my birth, and so uh, the other apartments that I saw were my father's and all the all other members of the family. Uh, and of course, there were uh, paintings by uh, Renoir and the other impressionists there. And I've uh, been always, uh, uh, for me, it was normal to live with Impressionist paintings on the wall.
0: Your family, of course, has an amazing archive that documents the history of Impressionist art and the artists who worked with the durand Ruel Gallery. Could you talk about where the archive is stored and how the archive has been maintained over the last century?
1: Well, uh The Durand-Ruel Gallery, uh, Durand was active as a gallery until uh, 1975. In 1975, my father retired but uh, continued his work as an expert and uh, kept the premises uh, of the gallery uh, except for the showrooms that uh, were no longer necessary then we still have the archives in the uh, premises of the gallery, the former gallery, I would say. And so uh, it's easy for us to, to work with them.
0: So the gallery ceased functioning as a, a selling gallery in 1975, right? And it became the archive. And its primary purpose is to maintain the archive. Is that is that correct?
1: That's our purpose.
0: And is the archive open to the public? How do people access the archive?
1: No, they are not open to the public. Uh, uh, we uh, uh, we are not organized for that. It would be too, too difficult. The archives, uh, uh, it's. Uh, quite a number of uh, documents of different kind. Uh, There are stock books, uh, accounting books, uh, uh, catalogs, letters, uh, uh, bills, uh, many, many other type of uh, documents. Uh, We have um, now uh, part of it that is uh, digitalized and can be accessed. Uh, but uh, no, to, to have information from the archives, uh, you have to ask us, and we uh, try to answer uh, as well as we can. And we say that we have questions nearly every day.
0: Who's contacting you? Are there? Is it mostly art historians? Is it the art market?
1: I would say uh, it's mostly it's auction uh, uh, houses, then art historians, uh, museums, of course, museums, and art historians.
0: Do you have particular strengths in your archives, for example? Is Renoir a a dominant component of the archival material?
1: Uh, The impression of painters is certainly with Renoir that we have the greatest number of uh, documents.
0: And so this is the reason why your archives are so important for the work on the catalogue raisonne.
1: Of course, yes.
0: And how long have you been working on the catalogue raisonne with the Renoir committee?
1: Uh, I think uh, Guy, uh, William Stein asked me to join the committee. I think it was in 2002. In fact, uh, just to tell uh, my personal life was not in art; it was in banking, and I've been uh, I retired from banking in 1999, and then I. Took the uh, to charge of, of the
0: archives. So, d- did you study art history in school?
1: No, no, I studied uh, <laughs> I studied engineering, <laughs> <laughs> and I worked in banking. But, you know, I've always lived among uh, art and uh, uh, and uh, read uh, nearly everything that was. Uh, interesting, uh, so uh, a fairly good knowledge of uh, improvements.
0: The Gallery Durand-Ruel archives are maintained by other members of your family as well as yourself. Can you tell us a, a, a bit about who is working at the Durand-Ruel archive?
1: Uh, it's my niece, uh, Flavie Durand-Ruel, is my brother's uh, daughter. Who's working full time uh, at the archive, and then uh, I have uh, occasional help from my daughter Claire, who's uh, working in art, but uh, on her, for her own account. But she is of course uh, involved in what happens uh, uh, in the gallery.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And also, um, your sister Caroline, is that correct? My sister Caroline, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's working, uh, and she's just uh, publishing now uh, the d- digital catalogue of uh, the painter Maxime Beaufrat, and uh, it's a very important and interesting uh, document.
0: So the Mofra Catalogue raisonné will be digital. That's that's interesting. And has your family been interested in other digital projects with the Durand-Ruel Archive?
1: No, we are not involved in the, in other projects.
0: How do you feel about the Renoir Catalogue raisonné being a digital publication?
1: Well. Of course, uh, there are pros and cons about digital and uh, printed. Of course, a printed catalogue is much more nicer to 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 to, to consult to look at, and uh, but of course it's very expensive. And uh, the great advantage of a digital catalogue is that it can be updated continuously.
0: That's right. That's right. And with. The Renoir catalogue raisonne of still lives. Can you tell us approximately how many still lives will be included?
1: Uh, well, I think that presently there are about uh, 700 uh, still lives, and uh, a great number of them uh, went through the uh,
0: and You've seen many of these at the committee as well.
1: Of course, I think well, uh, I've been attending. I think all the meetings of the committees uh, since uh, I'm a member, and so I've seen all the paintings that went were shown at the committee. Uh, of course, in in the catalogue there will be paintings the, that. Uh, Will never be seen by the committee because they are in museums, and uh, but of course, that doesn't mean that I've not seen them. Right, of course. Uh, I think that uh, uh, paintings that have not been seen by the committee and that will be in the catalogue have, uh, have all the. Well, nothing can. Nobody can object to their presence in the Mm -hmm. Mm catalogue.
0: So can you tell me about um, your family's involvement uh, with the other Impressionists? I know that Claire works on Pizarro. Have other members in your family found their niche uh, with another artist? You have Caroline with Mofra, Claire with Pizarro, you with Renoir. Is there anyone else in your family who's working on it?
1: Artist. Uh, uh, doesn't mean that we are working only with one, one, uh, one artist. Uh, uh, the questions we we have uh, to receive at the archives uh, about all the artists and other artists that Paul Durand-Ruel followed, uh, because let's say before the Impressionists, he was uh, a major factor in the emergence of the Barbizon school uh, artists. So uh, I would say certainly I know more ab- about Renoir than about the other impersonalist painters, but I still have, a, I think, a fairly good knowledge of the, of the other painters.
0: In the Durand-Ruel archives, you mentioned that it's comprised of stock books and correspondence, etc. Are there other documents in this archive that would be surprising to us? For example, I know we found uh, a passport of an artist in the Wildenstein uh, Institute archives. Are there any such interesting documents in the Durand-Ruel archive that relate to renoir
1: well, i'm sorry I, what did you find
0: in the wilson archive a passport an art passport yes uh,
1: no i don't think we have uh, i think we have only uh, uh, the documents directly related to to the artist well I will mention something that uh, very interesting in our archives. You know, Durand-Ruel had a gallery in uh, Paris, of course, until the 90- but so they had a gallery in New York between 1887 and uh, 1950, and there was always uh, a Durand-Ruel in Paris and one in New York and uh, for six months, and then they shifted to one deal. And nearly every day, they wrote letters explaining what was happening. And uh, these letters are an extraordinary uh, mine of information about what was happening in the art market during this period.
0: Oh, I know that you were involved in the exhibition of... Uh... Duran Ruel as uh, the foremost dealer of the Impressionists, the exhibition that was held at the Philadelphia Museum of Art several years ago. Have there been other opportunities where you've spoken about Duran Ruel? Have there been other exhibitions that have specifically focused on Duran Ruel as an important dealer?
1: Uh, no, I don't think. The... Well, there have been several exhibitions, but I don't think since uh, uh, that last exhibition there have been other. But there is one exhibition that will open this year, if uh, uh, <laughs> if uh, the health situation uh, doesn't get worse, uh, it will open in, during the summer, about the painter that uh, Paul Durand-Ruel of uh, defended after the impressionists, uh, like Gustave uh, Loiseau or uh, Moret or Mofra or Albert André or Despagna, an exhibition that will be held in year uh, uh, near Paris uh, uh, during the second half of this year.
0: Have you ever been interested in writing and writing about? your family and about any of the artists that your family dealt with?
1: Well, uh, I've written uh, several short uh, articles, uh, but uh, no, I'm not, uh, not... and of course, uh, one of the first things I was involved when I became interested in the archives, it was to make a new publication of the memoirs of Paul durand ruel and uh, that, uh, it was about, uh, published it about 10 years ago with my niece, Flavie. And we made a, a very uh, big amount of work for notes and comments. And, uh, and so I think it's a very interesting document for the history of French
0: do you think that the work that Durant Ruel did in the nineteenth century to promote the impressionist artists is given enough credit today? Do you think that people realize the impact that Durant Ruel had on these artists? Who are, of course, they're they're famous in their own right, but do you feel that people could know a little bit more about Durant Ruel as a as a Well,
1: I think, uh, I would say, uh, when I'm in the United States, I would say that the name Dural seems to be much uh, better known than in France. Uh, I think people now know that Dural was uh, active with the Impressionists. Uh, I think that it's not yet quite well known that it was by far the first dealer was involved with
0: them. Well, Durand-Ruel was certainly responsible for bringing Impressionism to the United States. Yes. Some of the first exhibitions of Monet, for example, were in the United States. Um, and I know that that the name Durand-Ruel among the early American collectors um, is, is very important. Do you have a lot of American art historians consulting your archives about American collectors from the early part of the 20th century?
1: Oh, yeah, certainly, uh, I would say that uh, even uh, in the last month, uh, uh, we had very important questions about uh, uh, an American art collector uh, So quite frequently.
0: Another important part of archival research for art historians, of course, is um, provenance during the Second World War. And I know that you're consulted quite frequently about the whereabouts of paintings during the Second World War. Could you talk a bit about the gallery's activity during the war, uh, and also its relationship with, with the New York branch. Did they send paintings to New York for safekeeping during the war? What was happening during that period?
1: Uh, well, during that period, of course, uh, uh, because of uh, the, in the, the late 1930s, when the international situation became difficult, uh will sent many of its uh, paintings to the United States. this seemed to be safer there during the war and the German occupation. Uh, my father and my uncle who were in charge in the, of the gallery uh, took a very low profile. And didn't show impressionist paintings uh, only uh, uh, paintings by the later artists and uh, they tried to to help their some of their uh, Jewish clients who had collections and uh, that were threatened so they never had problems with the uh, German authorities uh, but they were not uh, not at all involved, I would say, of the, of the artistic life uh, during this period. They were kept a very, very low profile.
0: So the paintings were sent to the United States for safekeeping and then did they return back to Paris or were they sold in the United States?
1: Well, of course, uh, some were sold and some were uh, brought back.
0: Mm-hmm. And what, I know you you talked about the, the gallery in New York. Are the archives of the gallery in New York with you now in Paris? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And who was running the gallery in New York? Was it a member of your family?
1: Well, as uh, told you, there was Always, uh, well, uh, Paul uh, Durand Ruel had uh, two sons. had uh, uh, three sons, one died uh, rather young. His two sons, Joseph and Georges, I would say, spent each one six months in Paris, six months in New York. And then, uh, Georges uh, had no children, but Joseph has two sons, uh, Pierre. And Charles, Charles was my father, and so Pierre and Charles, well, also, uh, each one, months went in New York, six months in Paris. So there was always a Durand-Ruel in, uh, in uh, each of the gallery. During the war, of course, there were not, uh, was uh, the, an American uh, director for the gallery.
0: I see. And you lived in New York for a brief time, is that correct? Excuse me? You lived in New York. Is that right?
1: I lived... Not during the war. No, no, no.
0: Of course not.
1: Yes. I lived in New York later uh, when I was a banker.
0: Is there anything else that we haven't discussed that you'd like to speak about?
1: No, but I'm ready to answer uh, other questions if you have.
2: Did you ask
1: for the same question about the choice of painter and paintings from Houdouin?
0: Something on our tastes? in your art. Certainly, we can talk about that. Are are you interested, in addition to Renoir, who are some of the other artists that you're interested in?
1: Well, obviously, I'm interested in all the (laughs) impressionists. And, uh, uh, well, I'm uh, following uh, artistic life. Uh, Well, there are some painters that I like, some that I don't. Uh,
0: Are there artists that you think are working uh, today that are inspired by the Impressionists? Um, Are there particular contemporary artists that you see very strong connections to Impressionist painting?
1: Not really. I think that, uh, I would say, the present uh, taste in art, is for large and flashy works. <laughs> and uh, impressionists, it's, uh, I think it's uh, much more subtle for the present era. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, certainly Monet did some large and flashy works later in his life. <laughs> <laughs> Among all of the impressionists, who, who do you think, who is your favorite? Is it Renoir, since you're working on the committee?
1: No. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, Renoir has something that uh, the other told uh, that he was also a painter of uh, persons. And I think that uh, among, to paint uh, human flesh, I think Renoir is the best that ever was, maybe bef- before without, there was Titian, but uh, I think that's one advantage of Renoir on the other. But of course, and I think he was a very great landscape painter also, especially in during the Impressionist period in the 1880s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When
0: you are at the committees and you're seeing Renoir pictures, oftentimes you're presented with works that are not by Renoir, but people think they are by Renoir. Can you talk a bit about what it is in Renoir's paintings that cannot be imitated? Is it, is it the the rendering of the flesh? Is it the quality of the light? What is it that makes a Renoir a Renoir that people who are trying to fake his work aren't able to do?
1: Well, uh, first I would say something. I think Renoir is a genius of painting, but not all paintings by Renoir are necessarily good. I think he did some very... Bad paintings. No, the I think Monet also did some very bad paintings. Uh, painters like uh, uh, Pissarro or Sisley uh, were much more regular, I don't think. Uh, but it's uh, very difficult to to when I look at the painting that it's not by Renoir. I think. It's Something well, of course, many of them. Uh, anybody could could say at the first glance that it's not a really good well, But uh, uh, some of them it's more difficult. And uh, but you look at them, and something uh, appears that uh, say that's not not that's that really that's not it.
0: Mm-hmm. So Sophie talked a bit about how Renoir burned many of his drawings. That was very surprising. Some of the works that you're seeing um, today, do you feel that Renoir maybe wouldn't have liked the fact that they're being sold on the market because maybe he didn't intend for them to be representative of his oeuvre?
1: I'm sorry. I cannot uh, answer. <laughs> I'm not Renoir, so I. <laughs> uh, but I think, well, he painted them, so um, maybe. Uh, well, I will tell you something. Uh, I think it would have been good for Renoir, not for Renoir family. I think it was good for Renoir if his uh, studio had burned after his death.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, so maybe now is a good time when we can invite Sophie back on camera. Uh, Let me me thank Paul-Louis. Paul-Louis, thank you very much for participating in this interview. I'd like to pick up on this this theme of of Renoir's studio burning to the ground. <laughs> I, so, Sophie, how do you feel about that?
2: Well, I have to say that I kind of agree uh, with the, yeah, I have to admit it's it's very true. It's very true. But I, w- I wanted to say that uh, without uh, Durand-Ruel, uh, my great-grandfather and none of those uh, impressionist artists would have been famous and would have been known, and even would have ma- might be couldn't have existed the way we we know them now because this this guy was really a, a an art lover and he helped them so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, for me, he was the greatest marchand d'art that ever has been. You know, because he felt immediately. The talented and the, what, what they were gonna begin, uh, become, you know. Mm-hmm. Very important person, really, for them.
0: When did the both of you meet? Can you talk about that? When did you meet each
2: other? Uh, we meet in the committee. Yes. We, we <laughs> meet in the committee. Thank you very much again. Yeah. Thank you again. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, for, you know, uh, for Louise. Uh, uh, a wonderful person when, when right. you work with him, because he knows and he, he has this eye and immediately, every time we see a, a new painting... She's
1: too
2: nice. uh, no, no, it's true. I mean, his experience, you know, and, and his eye, you know, every time when I don't know and I have a duck, I right. always look at him and wait for his advice. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. because uh, he knows. So do you
0: think that the both of you have a mission to champion the legacies of your, uh, uh, of your great, great grandfathers? Do you feel that um, this is something that is important to carry on into the future? And certainly you're doing this on the committee, but do you find that um, you need to speak about the legacy and the importance of your ancestors, because this is something that is, um, being threatened today. There's so much information out there. There's a lot of information about contemporary artists. Do you feel that it is, uh, something that is urgent for you to continue to promote the legacies of these important people in history? Or do you think that they'll live on, um, you know, without this, this championing and without this promotion?
1: well i think it is our, in fact our duty to to uh, to work for the better knowledge and the better appreciation of the work of uh, uh, this master
2: yeah i agree same <laughs> <laughs> yeah now that's good huh we uh we got along together very well huh we don't fight and nothing i agree. not yet <laughs> <laughs>
0: So maybe you can tell me a bit about your experience on the committee. What has been some of the most surprising things that you've seen? Certainly you've seen amazing work, but have you seen any anything that has been shocking to you?
2: Shocking in what way?
0: Well, I guess in any way, either shocking in the fact that you never thought that Renoir could paint in such a manner or shocking in the sense that, uh, you're seeing something that's being presented to you as a Renoir, and it's so obviously not, yet people really want to believe that it is. I mean, what, has, what have, have there been moments where you're just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible, both good and
2: bad? Yeah, we did have that once, uh, once or twice. It happens that they, they brought us a painting, like, remember this one, huge like this, a woman, absolutely hideous, horrifying. And you know, everybody start to laugh. And that was it because, uh, you know, there's no way it could have been a Renoir. And those poor persons, they were insisting saying, you oh, know, but I'm sure it is a Renoir, I'm sure. And they say, well, they can not be sure, but we are not, you know, <laughs> we're definitely not positive. We are positive that it's not. No, no, we had a lot of fun with this one. Well, I don't. some, it's like twice a year, we, we have the chance to see beautiful beauties. Yes. C'est deux, trois yeah. fois par an.
1: Plus? Well, maybe a little, more. Maybe f- Four? Four times Four year.
2: times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's it. Four times. Four times a year, we see beautiful, beautiful yeah. paintings.
0: Can you think of anyone in particular over the last few years that has really just blown you away? You thought, oh my gosh, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see this work that's been hidden away for many, many years. Have there been any like that?
2: Well, I'd say two committees. At uh, uh,
1: the, the last committee, there were two landscapes. Yes. Were
2: Beautiful.
1: Absolutely
2: uh, extraordinary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's always like... Uh, uh, when you see those paintings so close, you know, you can, you can turn them, see the back of the, the frame, and we're so lucky, you know, that it's an, already a marvelous thing. But when you, we have this kind of landscape, we can watch them for close and go on the side, you know, and, you know, moving from left to right, up to down to see it in details. And you're right, it was like the, the, the last one. And we have two portraits of family, two portraits, uh, two family portraits also, like uh, three committees back. Been beautiful.
0: So if you, looking at these works in person, I'm sure you also see works by Renoir that have been horribly restored. Either there's a lot of varnish on them or the, well, the, the canvas has been lined and it's flattened. Is there something that you would like to tell collectors of Renoir's work not to do? For example, don't exhibit it in a velvet frame. Something like that. You know, you see a lot of really poor choices. So, what what are some of the things you'd like to tell these collectors?
1: Well, I think uh, collectors should avoid uh, uh, trying to clean the paintings uh, too much. Uh, many impressionist uh, paintings. Uh, not only by Renoir, have been damaged by excessive uh, cleaning.
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes the frame is... Sometimes people think that <coughs> to secure a painting, the last time you remember, we had this awful one, which uh, the painting was nice, I mean, but but the frame and behind, it was like a a safe, I mean, it was with woods and and metal, and it was absolutely (coughs) ugly, and the the painting was so tense that it it almost was like (coughs) we were afraid, you know, that it would be damaged. I mean, uh, I I would ask the collectors to get advices uh, from professionals, and especially from us. I mean, us, uh, (coughs) the the, the committee or the, the the institute, you know, because you have a masterpiece in your hand. Sometimes, sometimes it's just a, a pretty painting, but mm. and there's no way you can you can ruin it. I mean, it's that's mm. that's a sin.
1: Well, there's that usually we see the painting of the committee without a frame. Uh, only yeah. sometimes what we have that problem, Somebody who has a very small painting by Renoir, but <laughs> so that it can be shown in a huge frame yeah. And that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's funny.
0: Can I ask? It's important to see the committees outside of the frame too, because you're looking for the Dura numbers on the backs of some of these pictures and labels.
2: Yes, yes. Labels of all <clears throat> kind and all the travel they've done, <clears throat> you know, everywhere they've been ex- exposed. They've been well,
1: shown. Yes, yeah, well, it's uh, it's always interesting to see the labels, the original labels, and uh, frame. But you know, uh, uh, the very important uh, museum in the United States, we will not name it, but uh, so some years ago, they changed all the stretches uh, of their paintings mm-hmm. and destroyed the. Uh, uh, the, the, the old stretchers with the labels and the decryptions.
2: That's awful. So
0: collectors should not be restretching their canvases and throwing away their stretchers.
2: No, no. It's like an old book, you know, and if you throw away the, the, the cover, even if it's, uh, when, when it's very old, you know, and it, it's very interesting. But if you change and make it new, look like old, it's awful, and it's the same. You know, it's, uh, and, and the painting is very interesting mm-hmm. on, on the painting, but in the back, it's very interesting also.
1: But we also have several cases of uh, original stretches that have been used on other paintings. Right.
2: Mm. It's, it's uh, like a scientific, uh, scientific research. I know it's always, and you have a group of people here who make all the work before we see the paintings, and it's so full of information. It's wonderful. You know, you have pages and pages of information, and all the the the, the where, where the painting was, to whom it was, where it has the exhibition, where whom's buy it, sold it, buy it, sold it. Very interesting. We learn a lot. Huh?
0: Is there anything that You'd like me to, uh, well, you could also ask each other. Um, are there any topics that we haven't covered?
2: I think we're fine. I No, we agree yeah. huh? All the, most of the time, except when he says that Auguste didn't make every b- paintings beautiful. But uh, to be honest, I have to admit that he's right. And it's true. <laughs> you know, that's what's funny. What is funny in this committee, you have several persons that are, uh, descendants from people f- from this time. It's its its really, I, I like that very much because it's like a, a, a passage de relais. How do you say that? You know, it's uh, my great-grandfather, his great-grandfather, you see, and, and others like this. And it's wonderful. I think from up there, if they see us, they must uh, be pleased because we take care of all of this, you know, together.
1: I think it's important.
2: Yes, very. Now,
0: I know that some committees in in France, um, particularly the ones that are uh, governed by the droit moral, will destroy a work if it's not by the artist, if it's presented to them and it turns out to be fake. We don't destroy works, but... no, No. No, no. Well, what do you think should happen when you when you see a fake or you see a work that is not right and you keep on seeing it? Do you, What do you think?
1: Uh, I think we, uh, well, maybe we we would like it to, to disappear, but it is not our right not uh, for None us to, to, to do that.
0: Right, right.
1: we do not uh, include it in the catalogue. Mm-hmm. We cannot go any further.
2: But it's already a good thing. I mean, if it's not in the catalogue, it means something. Right. No, It's a reference. The catalogue is, is made for that, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's obvious. Uh, if, if it's not in the catalogue, well, uh, it might be a problem. People will know. And that's one of the reasons
0: why it's important to have these catalogue raisonnés available, so that people can see. Of course. There are a lot of catalog raisonne projects that are ongoing, and you don't see the catalog raisonne, and people still wonder whether a work will be included or not. So, hopefully, with the Renoir catalog raisonne of still lives coming out later in the year, we'll solve that problem, and people can see what's included and what is not included, and they'll have the opportunity to submit if a work isn't included, so that you both and the rest of the committee can have a look.
2: I've heard that some, some catalogs are not even right, because sometimes they, they forget some paintings, or sometimes they make double uh, the, the same paintings with mm-hmm. different titles, which is, uh, it happens. Mistakes happen.
0: We're all human. That's Right?
2: Right. Oh yes! Yeah.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> oh. He has me. All right. I, that's all the questions that I have for you both. So, thank you very much for participating in this oral history project.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. We're
1: very happy.
2: Thank you. And thank you, Josie. Yeah, very happy and proud.